welcome back to another episode. Today, we're diving into some street interviews I conducted, asking regular, everyday people what their thoughts are on the 20-year war ending in Afghanistan, and how they view our exit from Kabul, Afghanistan's capital. Each person had some interesting points to make. You'll hear from military veterans, students, religious devotees, young millennials, and everything in between. This is definitely not one episode you will want to miss. I hope you'll stick around. I'm your host, Christian Ashleman, and this is Bed Letter. If you enjoy the show, the best way to show your support is by heading over to bedletter.substack.com and subscribing. You'll be kept up to date on all new episode releases, as well as columns I write on a wide range of topics. From Orwellian analogies to some of my Las Vegas adventures, there's a lot to check out, and it's all over there. Another great way to help out is by sharing this episode with someone you know, who you think might find it interesting. One share goes a long way. The links to the Substack, the show notes, and everything else can be found in the description of this episode. The war in Afghanistan just came to an end on August 30th, roughly two weeks ago. Now to some, that might be just a small sigh of relief, something that they hadn't really concerned themselves with. After all, the war lasted two full decades, 20 years. It's hard to stay connected and concerned with something that goes on for such a large span of time, especially something as complicated as war in the Middle East. But for others... The war has always been a little closer to home. Whether they fought with boots on the ground, had family members who did, or were present in front of a TV during the events of 9-11, the war has been something that we've carried with us for the last 20 years, and it's something that we'll always remember. Our foreign impact, the lives we lost, the fear of terrorism, the extents we all go to in order to feel safe, all important results and themes that have followed us through the last 20 years of war. I'm 26 years old, so as long as I can remember, we've always been engaged in Middle Eastern conflict. There may have been a few years before 2001 that fluttered in my mind, but I'll never forget the day I walked in from school and saw my mom turn around, tears streaking down her cheeks as two big buildings stood with smoke billowing up from on the TV screen behind her. I didn't specifically know what was going on, but I did know something was terribly wrong. Try explaining Middle Eastern conflict to a six-year-old, it's not going to land. It's a moment that changed the course of history forever. So with that much impact, that long of a war, I wanted to ask everyday people what they thought, how they viewed the war's end, the evacuation out of Kabul, the job of this administration, and how it will all be remembered. On every news station, in every newspaper, everywhere we look, we see statistics. Statistics about what we think, how we feel. And when I say we, I'm talking about you and me. Your average, everyday individual who gets up, goes to work, maybe provides for a family, has to take the car in for an oil change, walk the dog, switch the laundry... 
the people that make up America and the world. Media pundits talk for hours about what we think. Politicians, professionals, experts, and professors do the same. But everywhere I look, the only thing I see missing from those conversations is the subject. Us. The people. That's why I decided to randomly choose a set of people discovered on the street and ask them a few questions to see what they really think, not what everyone says they do. They deserve a voice of their own. You'll hear from 11 different people, all coming with different backgrounds, with their own unique views, accents, and ideas. First, you'll hear the voice of Alfred, an evacuee from New Orleans during Hurricane Ida. Then Claire and Chelsea, students from North Carolina. Pete from Athens, Georgia. Cody and Ellie. Mike from Dahlonega, Georgia. Bobby. Rob from Alpharetta, Georgia. Gabrielle. And finally, Corey from Gainesville, Georgia. Not everyone provided me with where they are from. That being said, I should note the selection of voices I have are all from somewhere in the American South, Southwest. Additionally, I do apologize for the background noise throughout. That is just part of doing street interviews. Hopefully, in some sense, it helps pull you into the conversation and adds an additional level of circumstance and reality to the places we inhabit. The first question I posed asked, Earlier this week, the U.S. withdrew its final troops from Afghanistan, officially ending a war that we've been engaged in for 20 years. What was your initial reaction when you heard the news? It's complicated, but it might be a mistake. Yeah. Because it seems like we only had 2,500 or so troops remaining who were non-combat troops, and there hadn't been a U.S. Um, soldier die for around 18 months. So there seemed to be a stable standoff between the new Afghan government backed by us and the Taliban. Um, I think we had 10 times as many troops still in Korea. Mm -hmm. So to me, that presence without ongoing violence at the time Mm -hmm. seemed to me to make sense. And I feel really bad, especially for 18-year-old Afghan women who have grown up in a relative freedom and now suddenly, the turn of a switch, have to wear burqas wherever they go and can't be educated and so on. Yeah. So uh, to me, it seems like it may have been a mis- mistake as a policy matter and then a huge mistake in how it was done. I felt that it was time, kind yeah. of a relief that it was finally coming to an end. Nothing's been happening and nothing's been improving, so it was definitely time. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's like we've been there for most of our lives as well, and it's just seemed very unnecessary in so long. That yeah. was long overdue. Yeah. yeah. The end of war is always good, but is it really the end of war? Yeah. So what makes you, just for clarification, what makes you say is it really the end of the war? Um, there's still ISIS-K there. Um, the Taliban is taking over and con- recontrolling the country, which is detrimental to a large portion of the population, at least the female half, uh, especially the, the women in that country. It's, it's detrimental to them, and 
And whether we liked it or not, we did take on the role of nation building. And we didn't really follow through like we did in Japan or Germany or anywhere else that would, you know, after many wars. So, you know, maybe we should still be there. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if we absolutely should, but I mean, we still have an interest there. Yeah. We have an interest in preventing it from becoming a, uh, a hotbed for, you know, extremists. But, and, and we have a better source of operations. We also lose, I think, the ability to deal on a personal level with the Afghan people there. Um, I didn't serve there, and I, I know it's a different culture, and there are different techniques, and you have to take all that into consideration, but you still made a commitment to some of those people there. Did you serve in, in a branch of the military? I did. I served in the Army. Army? Well, thank you for your service. Appreciate that. Surprise and uh, learning most of it on TikTok and <laughs> other various media forms, yeah. and getting to see horrible videos of people dying over there and desperate. And it's nothing good to see. Yeah, yeah, grabbing onto the yeah. wheels and all that stuff. Yeah, I know one thing I remember seeing was this interesting comparison to how um, you know 20 years ago, almost to the, almost to the day, I guess it's a bit of about a month off, we're seeing people falling out of the hours and stuff like that. Yeah. And now we're seeing people. Yeah, the exact same thing. Desperate people trying to live. I'm much older. I'm 71. And uh, I would have been eligible to be drafted during the Vietnam War. But I had a, I was in college and I had a high draft number, so I never was. Uh, my first reaction is uh, I had a, a good friend of mine who was a graduate of West Point, uh, was an, accept I mean, an exceptional person. I, I always say that if he had lived, he probably could have been president of the United States. Mm. He was kind, generous, very faith-filled, helping of, but he was killed in the Vietnam, mm. uh, and it just devastated his parents. And that was uh, what I was thinking of. Uh, I, as the end came, in Afghanistan, it didn't end well. As a matter of fact, it ended very similar to the way it ended in Vietnam, with them having to evacuate thousands upon thousands of people. So I, I, I felt badly that for that element of it. Uh, I also know some people who have fought in the Afghan war, have lost limbs, some lost their life, and uh, I, uh, I prayed for them as well, because they must have been probably a little down in the dumps, I would imagine, at the way it ended. I was glad. I, I strongly feel like really we had no business over there to begin with, uh, interfering with uh, another country's democratic system, how they wanted to set it up. Uh, since the beginning of time in that area of the world has always been Rulers in question. Mm -hmm. Therefore, always uh, coups going on, and uh, for us to try and push democratic ways, polls, 
voting systems into their country. We had no business doing that. I, I, I just that's just the way I feel. Yeah. If, uh, if if they wanted to go about doing it there, and in the end, what's going to happen here? As soon as we pull out, it we went back that way anyway, hasn't it? Oh, mean earlier or last month when they started pulling out? Yeah, just like you know, I guess it, I guess it was about a week ago, a couple, a little bit over a week ago, they finally you know officially announced that it was at an. Uh, I'm not ter- I, I, I'm not a crazy fan of it, but I was I'm not happy about the uh, way it was handled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There should have been a small presence to be get uh, a leftover regardless. Yeah. I was pissed off. Yeah. Why? Why did you say that? Huh. Well, I'm an Afghanistan war veteran. I'm fully decorated, 100. percent um, I was a senior master sergeant in the Air Force with a canine, um, and the dogs are being left, our equipment's being left, um, and I feel like we pulled out too fast, and honestly, we have a similar situation going on in North and South Korea where we sit on a wall and we, we provide uh, presence. I still think that no matter if the war comes to an end or not, that we still need presence in Afghanistan no matter what to keep everything at bay and at peace. Um, And I feel like I went to war and um, got injured and have disabilities now for no reason. Uh, Nothing crazy strong, just when it comes to an end. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot of sentimental or like indirectly any thoughts there. It's like the war's over. If I don't think about it anymore, just like mm-hmm. kind of like news, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So you just kind of just, uh, oh, well, hey, it's, it's over. You didn't really have any, you know, family members or anything that were serving. It was kind of just, oh, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's I, time for n- any... nobody close, no friends yeah. or family that have served. Um, and yeah, just like I guess putting in that context of just ending. Yeah. It's yeah. like okay, that's probably a good thing. Yeah. yeah. It's clear to see that no one I spoke with likes war. No one wants the war to continue on. From believing we had no business being over there in the first place, to wishing we had gotten out sooner and under better circumstances, people seem to be grateful that at least it's over. As Pete so bluntly stated, the end of a war is always good, but is it really the end of the war? Which takes us perfectly into my second question. The manner of our exit, or rather, evacuation. From videos of Afghans storming the Bagram Air Base tarmac, hanging onto planes in the process of taking off, and for some, falling to their death, it's hard to say the end of the war went smoothly. For some, it evoked old images of our exit from Vietnam, as Mike made the comparison to that evacuation, and now this one in Afghanistan. This chaos has left many veterans feeling confused, hurt, and angry, as Gabrielle commented on how she was injured now on disability and feels like it was all for nothing. And for the Afghans who helped America and are looking for a way out from under Taliban rule, Cody put it no better when he stated, they're desperate people trying to live. We saw this in videos, pictures, and interviews of those still stranded over in the war-torn country. I wanted to understand how people saw the job this administration was doing with the evacuation, which led me to my second question. It's difficult to discuss the war in Afghanistan right now without talking about how we pulled out. 
As you've heard and seen reports from the ground over there and the chaos that has ensued, how do you see the job this presidential administration is doing in closing out the war? Disbelief that it could possibly be done so poorly? It seems like anyone would understand that you have to get the civilians out before the military completely leaves. And then, say I became furious when it became clear that some large number of Americans and Afghan allies would be left behind along with $83 billion of military hardware. Yeah. It's just absolutely shocking to me. I don't think I've ever heard of um, such amazing uh, negligence by the American government yeah. in, in my lifetime anyway. Yeah. Um, I mostly agree. I think it was done in a pretty, like, reasonable time frame and like it wasn't great that the Taliban gave us like the deadline for getting out but I think we did as much as we could to get like Afghani refugees out and also get all the Americans out and I think Biden has handled it pretty well in terms of like being diplomatic about it and, and keeping it as peaceful as possible. Yeah I feel like no matter what there's going to be issues yeah. with it. Uh, got a word for it. <laughs> what, what would that be? Clusterfuck. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a word for it. So, as you've seen kind of these reports, this chaos that's kind of ensuing, you know, people chasing the planes as they're leaving and just all that, um, how do you see the administration as, like, how do you see the job that they're doing? As far as the pullout of Afghanistan, it was horrible. It was it was completely, completely done completely wrong, um, and to have, and, and I, I have to believe that the military commanders on the ground had to have better suggestions as the ways to do it, because I can't believe we're that incompetent. <laughs> um, I feel like Biden. President Biden did not listen to his commanders, and if he did, then we're in worse shape than we are, than I thought we are. Uh, and I lost a lot of confidence in Biden after this. Were you, did you support him? Would you say you supported him before, or were you worried you him? Before? I supported him more than I supported Trump. Uh, I, I, I at least felt like. Biden may not have been the best choice, but I think he doesn't necessarily serve um, the end government for himself. As he serves the end government more, I felt I felt like he serves the government more for the the people than than Trump did. I felt like Trump always was only self-serving. Uh, I think it's all relative to the situation. You know, it's, you know, who whoever was sitting in the hot seat when it happened, you know, they're going to get blamed. So. You know, it's just kind of a bad, bad place in time for anybody. So. I think you can criticize it, but I think you can criticize it if, like you said, no matter who's in the office, yeah. you got what they're doing wrong. Yeah. But. Lots of people like to blame names and stuff, and who started the war years and years ago, and they left it open, and now, you know, that's just how it's, it's unfolding, because it's got to, so who knows?
in all honesty, I, I have to admit, I didn't vote for President Biden, though I didn't vote for Trump either. I just didn't vote for president because I couldn't vote for either of them. I'm, I'm a Roman Catholic priest, also a lawyer, and as a result, I couldn't vote for anyone who is pro-abortion, which Biden is, and I couldn't vote for Trump just because of the way his personality yeah. was. But my analysis of this, and uh, you know, I, I'm well-educated, and I, I have people in my family that have been in the military, he kind of did it, I guess, backwards, in all honesty. Uh, normally, when you're pulling out, you get out the, your equipment, you get out the civilians that you want to get out, uh, you get out the embassy people, the Americans that want to go out, and then you get your troops out. Well, he did it just the opposite. He got the troops out and then had to bring them back in in a situation that was untenable. I mean, you, you, uh, I've never been to that area, but I, an airport in the middle of a city isn't a good place to defend. So I think he did a rather poor job on it. And the thing that annoys me at most is that he... I, enjoy, I like people who admit to mistakes, and he has been resolute in not saying he made a mistake. Now, with 13 Americans, 70 Afghans getting killed, $81 billion of equipment being left behind, it wasn't done right, and he should have just admitted it. I would have yeah. respected him for it. Yeah. Oh, the way we pulled out was that so, it was bass ackards. <laughs> that's that's really my next question is what? How do you you know? How you, do you, you take do your that? civilians out first, and then your military, not your military, then your civilians. Yeah. I mean, it was all bass ackards. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely uh, an interesting thing, given given the scenes we've seen of the you know planes trying to take off, and you have all these civilians and different people trying to get out. Yeah, well, and we left behind planes mm-hmm. and military equipment and guns and Jets planes. And and jet. Yeah, we left all that stuff behind over there for them. Yep. Yep. Here, take it. Yep. Use it. Exactly. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. No, I... Yeah. I, 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 so, I, I can't grasp any understanding out of the reasoning for... A lot of stuff, mm-hmm. including that, uh, just boggles your mind. How do you think the administration's done so far? Pretty poor. Pretty poor. What What makes you say that? I thought the way they handled it was bad. Yeah. What specifically was it? Just kind of pulling when you were at the, the logistics component of everything. Uh huh. Yeah. Pulling the you know military troops out. Yeah. First. And just all, all the chaos and citizens being trapped. Yeah. Uh, and people, you know, uh, you know, trying to escape on airplanes and falling off planes after they taken off. So it wasn't a very, the orchestration was not ideal. This, this it was too abrupt. Too abrupt. It was too abrupt. Yeah. It was too abrupt. Uh, we didn't phase out like we should have. We should have been phasing out. We didn't phase out. Um, and we should have left a skeleton in place, and we didn't even do that. Unfortunately, I feel like I tend to go kind of apathetic when it comes to. So, like, it would be the money thing. It's like, of course, if there's any resources, guns and, you know, vehicles, et cetera, and all the money that we spent over the past yeah. 20 years. And then all the business, I mean, it's mainly richer people getting richer, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, people who own um, our higher-ups in, in military or government contracts and, and just all that kind of stuff. So, like, I don't know, to, to me, it's, like, about the money, but at the same time, it's like, well, there's just corruption everywhere so yeah. I don't really yeah. I don't know it, it's 
Yeah, it's. I, I mean, I flip flop on most of these things. Yeah. But anyway, so what, what was the question again? It was just, you know, how do you see the 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 way that this administration has kind of handled the evacuation and that, and basically just kind of capping it. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like most things in politics, we probably have like two percent of the picture. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, definitely with Trump and with Biden, it and you and with a lot of like representatives and senators, it's like. It doesn't seem seem like um, that uh, just talent and ability correlate directly. Yeah. So it's like, well, I could kind of blow it off and just be like, you know, ah, anybody would have screwed this up. But it, it it definitely seems a little illogical when it's like, and I don't know again the money and the cost for moving all that equipment, but it seems like. I mean, we, we are like a world power. Definitely, when we're talking to the Taliban, so it's like, there should be, to me, it seems like there should have been no deadline. It's like, hey, yeah, we'll get out when we're ready. Yeah. We're getting out, so we're just giving y'all, you're privy to that information. That's like, to me, throwing the Taliban a bone. It's like, hey, we'll get out when we're ready. You'll yeah. know when we're at, because you're not going to be here anymore. Yeah. That's like, it seems like, yeah, take all the time you need to, again, it's, it's optimization. So when the cost isn't there, and I humbly talk about like life cost, but just financial cost and, and actual tangible resources. It seems like sc- screw a deadline. E- even if we promise something to the Taliban, it's like, hey, we're reneging on that. Sorry, like we're not gonna. Yeah. yeah. So it it seems like a lot of just the moves we made were pretty illogical. Yeah. In, in the past couple months or so. There were a lot of emotions and thoughts with this question, no doubt due to everything we've seen on the evacuation, the servicemen and women who were killed, and the way 20 years of this Middle Eastern conflict concludes. It was interesting to note the words used by everyone as they expressed their perspectives. On one hand, we heard words like furious, disbelief, shocking, horrible, incompetent, clusterfuck ass-backwards and bass-ackwards. Of course, other perceptions brought language like diplomatic, it's all relative to the situation, and I'm apathetic about it. One quote I thought was particularly thought-provoking was when Alfred said, I don't think I've ever heard of such an amazing negligence by the American government in my lifetime, end quote. This is in respect to us evacuating and leaving over $80 billion worth of military equipment for the Taliban to subsequently arm themselves with. Given the chaos of the war's end, it's hard to know who to believe, what intel was good, and whether or not someone should take responsibility. As Corey put it, with politics, we probably only have about 2% of the picture. Now more than ever, it would seem that is how the people feel. Given the inclination to find blame, to find those who put us in this vulnerable position, where our allies are questioning our convictions and our enemies bolster their strong arms, I wanted to find out if the people had decided where to place that blame themselves, or if they remained undecided. My third question inquired, If someone or some branch or organization can be blamed for the craziness of this evacuation, who or what do you think that should be, if anyone? I think it's important that someone or people who are responsible be, be blamed. I mean, it seems to me that military court-martials happen 
for lesser reasons than, than this, um, it's devastating not only for the people left behind, uh, arming Taliban, which is allied with Al-Qaeda in such a heavy way, and it's got to be, got to have some bad consequences in the future, and it's devastating to NATO, because it was a NATO mission, and all of our NATO allies, after we pulled out in the middle of the night, have their own people trapped there as well. Also very heartening to our enemies. So I think the consequences are, are so severe that there needs to be accountability. Yeah. Do you think that's going to come from the president, or do you think it's going to be you know, someone in the military that should take that? Or Well, the president is, of course, the commander-in-chief. Yeah. Um, my, who knows, but my, my guess is that the president made the decision and probably disregarded advice from his military commanders. Otherwise, I would guess we would have heard by now that he got bad advice from military commanders. I haven't heard that in the news. If there was bad advice from military commanders, then I think they, along with the president, should, should share in the blame. Um, I think we did the best we could. I think if anybody had to resign, it'd be whoever started it in the first place, mm. but I think they're probably long gone by now. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't really know enough about that to really say, so. Yeah. I think this lies firmly on the shoulders of the administration. As far as the the, the way the pullout uh, or extraction of Afghanistan was handled, I think this lies fully on the shoulders of the administration. Yeah, that, that's politics. It, it's bad time for you. It, you know, it's part of the job. You got to resign. You know, it's just how it is. You know, it's not your fault, but you know, you're the one that has to answer for it. Decisions made during your term and stuff like that, and yeah. things that your you know legislators and people have voted for. You know, taking years ago, it was common to take the blame much less so in modern times. I think it's our narcissistic society. You know, we don't look beyond, you know. So I think someone should have, you know, yeah, stepped up and said we made it. And I don't know who it was. I think it was a combination of the military probably, the intelligence operations. Uh, clearly must have made, if, if as we're hearing, and I'm not sure I believe it, they didn't see this coming, well then they really didn't see it very well at all. So I, I, you know, I think someone should say, you know, I apologize, we made a mistake, lies were lost, uh, prestige was lost, I'm going to re resign or retire. Mm -hmm. That would have, not that it would have made much of a difference, but at least they step up and acknowledge that a mistake was made, which they yeah. haven't done. If anyone. For the, for the way we executed? Yeah. Uh, that's probably on the military brass. Uh, I mean, the Biden administration made the suggestion that, you know, uh, not a suggestion, but that we are pulling out, mm -hmm. which was the right decision. Uh, pull out, get out. We should have never been there again in the first place. But the way it was done, who's to blame, is probably the military brass. I'm sure they're the ones who uh, coordinated with the uh, the chiefs of staff, which is Biden, ultimately, uh, the way we're going to do things, and he passes off on it or whatever. Uh, I'm not sure how the chain of command 
goes on that particularly. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I, I would think the military brass yeah. would have a great input as to yeah, how all that's done. Administration. You, what would you say well, if you starts, had to kind of It starts with the administration. Someone. The administration is in charge of the military. Yeah. Whether it's the last president who screwed things up, it wouldn't same thing. I mean, it stuck, yeah. stops with him. Yeah. The administration, because all Democrats are really um, about is peace and doing what the people say and just doing it immediately instead of thinking and having an action and a plan and, and therefore afterwards Republican otherwise. We had a plan. We knew how we were phasing out. We knew everything. This administration, we know nothing. We're just bailing. Yeah. And I feel like that. I feel like we're literally ostriches sticking our heads in the ground. Unfortunately, I think a lot of whether uh, on both sides and the world as a whole, I think a lot of the outcomes we're seeing is like, the and again, humbly and respectfully to, but also just kind of factually, think the world's made up of a bunch of stupid people they don't think for themselves and so like whether it's trump or biden or again all these just incompetent people that are in these positions of power that doesn't seem like they could much less run a business that's yeah. in the square yeah. it's kind of like i mean i think it's just all an outcome of like there's a very large amount of the population in the world that doesn't think and whether that's to their fault or their own or to like certain inequities of the past or just kind of whatever um and so i mean i blame it on people really and though i mean for myself i mean i consider myself let's call it middle of the row when it comes to intellect and awareness but you know you can't really fight corruption like if, if there are people that are taking advantage of people and you're not aware of it and you can't really i mean especially if it's like the the police i mean people in legitimate authoritative like government power i mean what are you going to do about it so I think it's the fault of corruption in general, and unfortunately, people are people are stupid. I mean, they really are. Like we we don't. And when I want to say stupid. I don't mean like books. You know, we don't. I don't think we need to be book smart. Um, and even I don't think we need to necessarily be trade smart. But just like think for yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like probably the highest correlation there is like so much of the world is religious, and I've come I've been a Christian for pretty much all my life, and I would consider the past couple of years to be agnostic. Um, and I don't really think I would say atheist I feel like people are kind of nowadays I think I mean I've even seen like agnostic Christian it's like what the heck does that mean <laughs> um, so I think people are it's so weird to me that the people are kind of so slow to and myself included because it was probably a good decade progression to get to that um, but yeah it's, it's so interesting how people all over the world hold on to their different religions and I think that's probably I think religion and health are, and people just, you know, you see unhealthy people, you know, like I think people should be focused more on their, their food intake than, yeah. than COVID at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, again, to answer your question is, I think it's actually the people's fault. Yeah. And the two main players there is religion and, and health and people, I guess three things and, and people not thinking for themselves, they just kind of go along with stuff. The people I spoke with seemed to agree that someone needed to take responsibility. Who that someone was, however, was up for debate. We heard some criticizing the administration, stating that it's the president that should have stood up and taken the blame. Gabrielle said, With this administration, we know nothing. We're just bailing. 
Others chastised the military brass for their lack of intelligence or willingness to put forward appropriate recommendations to the commander-in-chief. And even still, one response at the end, with Corey, put forward the theory that the fault of the war's end should be placed on the people, where he cited things like religion, poor physical health, and an unwillingness to think for oneself as the perpetrators of the Afghanistan result. While us talking about who to blame bears little on what will actually transpire in the upper echelons of our government, I found this question of blame worth considering, because without responsibility, something like this could easily happen again. As Mike stated, it's not that it would have made much of a difference, but at least they would have stepped up and acknowledged a mistake was made. While we don't know yet where to place that blame, it's clear that taking responsibility is high on the minds of most of the individuals I spoke with. When we see the images posted of the evacuation, it's hard to conceptualize a reality where this was how the exit was planned. I wanted to find out if people believed things had gone according to plan, if they believed the words of the president or not. So I read them a quote pulled from President Biden's speech he gave the day after Afghanistan war's conclusion, and gathered their thoughts. In President Biden's address to the nation, he said, quote, That assumption, that the Afghan government would be able to hold on for a period of time beyond military drawdown, turned out not to be accurate. But I still instructed our national security team to prepare for every eventuality, even that one. And that's what we did. End quote. Based on what you know and have seen, do you believe that this evacuation effort was planned out and coordinated, as the president is saying? I think that statement is untrue. We just learned yesterday from a transcript of a phone call in July with President Ghani of Afghanistan that Ghani told Biden in July the Taliban was advancing throughout the country and that the fight against them was not going well, to which Biden responded, well, I understand it's not going well, but perceptions matter, and you need to basically put a happy face on it, quote, whether it's true or not, yeah, close quote. So it seems that Biden was given advice, and there have been leaks from the State Department memos also showing that he was told that there could well be a very quick takeover by the Taliban, including in Kabul, but apparently disregarded the advice. So I think that spin was untrue. Yeah. I don't think this was ever how we planned it to go. I think the plan was to try to create a stable yeah. situation in Afghanistan so that we could like stave off the Taliban for longer. I think over time it just became increasingly clear that that was never happening and we kind of had to face the inevitable like we just had to get out of there at some point i don't think it was planned at all i think just over time this was the only choice yeah i think it deteriorated this to this to even more i think somebody really rushed this and because the idea of pulling out of bagram and jabad and and other air bases uh, in Afghanistan, I don't know if JBAD's in Afghanistan or not, but at least Bagram, you know, pulling out of those places that you, you firmly control militarily, that you could have used to support Kabul Air, International Airport, was, was 
it was ludicrous not to continue occupying and possessing those bases, which were ideal for supporting a withdrawal rather than trying to do a military withdrawal from a civilian air base. It's a lot easier to do, or I would think it would be a lot easier to do a withdrawal from a military air base. And to state that you didn't think that the Afghan government would and troops would fall that fast, I would have to say you probably didn't have any connection with any of the troops on the ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's definitely uh, one of the things I've heard is, is just definitely either uh, ignoring the information. I feel like there was, yeah, there was complete disconnect between communication between the military and the administration. So, um, one Grant, of the, again, I was not there, and yeah. so I'm not privy to what was happening. But yeah, it just looks that way and feels that way. Yeah, it's it's hard to know. I mean, we we're not we're not there, but we we get to see you know kind of the, these videos coming out. It's and easy to play. Reported and, yeah, it's easy to play armchair quarterback. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good analogy. I mean, no, like you said, it kind of left in chaos. You know, people are dead. They left a bunch of our equipment there. I don't think anyone planned for that. To, Happen. I'm sure they, looking back now, they wish it could have gone a little differently, but yeah. Foresight's 2020. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. We've been there for 20 years. We've invested probably over a trillion dollars uh, in the operation. And uh, initially, and you were a child back then, I think going in made some sense because the, the uh, the plan was to get Al-Qaeda, because they were allegedly their masterminds of 9-11. And I lost multiple friends in 9-11. Uh, and so that made sense, and they were very effective. Within, uh, within a year and a half, they had basically eradicated Al-Qaeda. But then, uh, subsequently, they, I guess it's very hard to pull out, and they just didn't. They switched it to a government building, a country building. and. Uh, I don't, I've never been to Afghanistan, but I've read a lot about it. I love history, and it's been this way for centuries. It's, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's, imagine the, hot, the mountains of Utah, and imagine pretty much the whole country that way. Yeah. And as a result, you could be five miles away as the crow flies, but to get from point A to point B, you might have to travel a hundred miles on it's, it's not a unified country, it never was. It's a series of various tribes or warlords that have maintained control over certain sections of it. And that hasn't changed over the time we've been there. We've invested money in a military. Uh, from what I'm reading, over 80% of them couldn't even read. Uh, so they were not educated at all. Not that it means much, but they, it, it's foreign to them what this was, to, to impose democracy on a country that maybe probably didn't even want democracy. They wanted freedom, maybe, but not democracy. So, I, as I said, if, as he says, the, the intelligence agencies didn't foresee this very bad intelligence, because I, I, I as soon as it was announced a couple of months, few months ago, my first thought was, get our people out, get everything out right away, because the Afghan army is not going to be able to withstand anything. Uh, and. Uh, so I, I think they're misleading us there, uh, and uh, to claim it was just as according to plan, well, 
the person that planned it should be fired, though, because they, they, as I said, you don't plan something. You don't plan leaving eighty-one billion dollars of equipment behind. You don't plan with over a hundred people getting killed and people still trapped behind the lines, especially a lot of our allies uh, that or interpreters and stuff like that. So just to me, it just it, it was done terribly well. Oh, it's gone right. Mm-hmm. What makes you say that? Well, now you got... <clears throat> now you got the U.S. coordinating refugee... Uh, ways for them to get out of the country. What countries to send them to and trying to orchestrate all of that, I don't think that was planned. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that those people wanted out for their lives, mm-hmm. and uh, the military was left with no other, well, I don't know, call it humanitarian, mm-hmm. uh, let's get these people who want out, out. I don't think that was originally planned. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of them last minute things which has gone awry also. Mm-hmm along with the way everything's exited over there. You think that, that it was planned this way and it was no supposed idea. to go this way? Or do yeah. you think no idea? No idea. What, maybe, maybe, maybe that's what they thought. It, things don't work out the way you intend sometimes. But Yeah, man, absolutely. You can put anything on a press release. Yeah. Or that it was just kind of a, a It just kind of happened all at the last minute. He was, a, he was just trying to appease the people and be for the people when he should have been more engaged. Um, I feel like he could have grown more. I mean, this is coming from the president that said, oh, you no longer have to wear your mask if you're vaccinated. But, oh, wait, you do. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, he's going back on his word too many times. Yeah. And that's how I feel. I I don't think I've ground... Like, I think the accuracy of my thoughts would be... Yeah. A- anywhere and so again I think my, the, the core to my response would be who gives a shit what we told the Taliban mm-hmm. if we realized on August 29th wait yeah okay let's let's send a large military presence back over and and at, at least you know there's sunken cost there but I mean e- even today I think it would be smart to to be like wait we're gonna I mean I don't know all the logistics of it, but it, and then maybe like now there's no turning back. Yeah. Um, but I would, I mean, I don't, so again, I, Biden seems to be pretty incompetent. Um, but just the, I think the backbone of politicians in general is, is pretty weak. So as far as like that statement and the quote, I, it's like, okay, I mean, I really don't n- yeah. know if it's, it's true in any way. And even if it is, I think we, it was clear. At, at some point prior to the deadline mm-hmm. that no let's do this differently yeah. and and I think it was also clear that the American people would have understood so like I don't yeah. really understand why we held on so hard to the original plan or whatever we we promised the Taliban yeah. Yeah. for the people I spoke with it seems that it wasn't difficult to tease apart a discrepancy between the words of the president and the actions on the ground in Afghanistan. The idea that the evacuation was planned this way doesn't seem to land for nearly anyone. After all, we are using the word evacuation, 
a scenario that inherently brings along with it a sense of urgency and little to no time for appropriate strategizing. As Claire stated, I don't think this was ever how we planned it to go. Following up with comments on how it would have been nice to create a more stable situation where we could stave off the Taliban for longer. However, in her view, that became impossible, so withdrawal was absolutely necessary. Holding back the encroaching Taliban was definitely a point of interest. When we read the comments President Biden made with President Ghani about portraying a better picture, whether it's true or not, it starts to uncover the disconnect the administration may have had with what was happening on the ground in Afghanistan. As Rob succinctly stated, you can put anything in a press release, which may well be the case here, especially when we see the amount of military equipment we left behind. As Mike said, you don't plan on leaving $81 billion worth of equipment behind. You don't plan over 100 people getting killed, people still trapped behind the lines. With appropriate planning and execution, and the right time frame, it's possible that the loss of life might have been mitigated. As Pete observed, rather than trying to do a military withdrawal from a civilian airbase, it might be a lot easier to do a civilian withdrawal from a military airbase. What we see in the images, video, and reporting coming out of Afghanistan seems to be anything but appropriate strategic planning, conclusions reached by those I spoke with. At the end of the day, as Pete also said, it's easy to play armchair quarterback. And as Ellie stated, hindsight is twenty twenty. It's hard to know how things should have gone. And we can discuss a hundred ideas and theories about how this exit should have been handled. But that won't change the fact that 13 American service members lost their lives. And scores of Afghans did as well in the suicide bombings at Abbey Gate and Barron Hotel during the evacuation. All we can do is learn from these disastrous mistakes, mend the bridges, and make sure this level of carelessness and chaos never happens again. For my final question, I wanted to find out if people thought Americans would remember this evacuation, or if they predicted we would all forget once the news cycle passed. I wanted to know if people would gloss over the issues and praise the small successes, or not. So I asked... One of the current narratives floating around is that the administration will flaunt the final evacuation number of more than 120,000 people as a way of diverting public attention from the issues involved in our withdrawal. Do you think Americans will forget the circumstances of this evacuation so easily? How will the war's end be remembered? I don't think so, but that seems to be the strategy, and I assume that it will help the administration to some extent because there'll be, I don't know, 20% of the people who will reflexively buy into that, mm -hmm. maybe 30%. There'll be another percentage of people who might balance it. To, you know, I've spoken to some friends who are Biden supporters who are um, disturbed by what's been going on mm -hmm. and willing to say it. Yeah. Um, those friends of mine won't simply accept that type of explanation and consider it a closed matter. But 
I do imagine that they might be a little more inclined to at least slightly soften their positions through rhetoric, by upon hearing rhetoric like that. So I, I suspect it'll help to some extent, but it's not going to be widely accepted. Yeah. And I don't think the issue is going away for Biden anytime soon or, or ever. Really. It's hard to say. I think this is going to stick in people's minds for a while just because it was so long. Like it was 20 years of people's lives, like most people our age, it was our whole lives. Um, and for people who are older, like they witnessed 9-11 and this was the whole aftermath. Yeah. So I think it'll stick around for a while, but I don't think it's necessarily the most pressing issue in people's minds. I don't mm -hmm. think foreign policy is as much as like what people look at, especially with COVID and all of these other yeah. natural yeah. disasters happening. Um, it'll definitely be like a factor, but I don't think a huge one. Yeah. yeah, again, with like COVID happening, it's really hard. I feel like people have numbed up to like how many people have died of that. Like it wouldn't yeah. be shocking that people just move on. Yeah, no, I think that's it. a good yeah. point. Just especially that you know, COVID is like close to home. It's right here. It's right now. Yeah. So it's really easy for us to focus on that. Exactly. That's stuff that's happening on the other side of the world. Yeah, right? and it's yeah. like also a little bit old news because mm. it's been for so long. Like, it sounded like a Trump tactic to me. <laughs> Oh, it was the most big, biggest, best, most wonderfulest, uh, greatest, excellentest, biggest pullout ever, you know? It's like, no. Yeah. Don't duplicate Trump on this one. Yeah. Do, do you think that that narrative, you know, kind of using that number like that, do you think that that will, do you think that Americans will forget the uh, kind of the chaos of this evacuation so quickly, or do you think that they'll just go off the numbers? Um, I don't think the numbers really matter. Yeah. Uh, Americans have a tendency to forget everything. <laughs> it's well, our history. We do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Whatever's in the, the next news cycle, I suppose. I think if you looked up the uh, definition of American, it'd be those with short memories. Because <laughs> it's just not in your face. You forget about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. out of sight, out of mind. And uh, you know, if you know the things that Trump did. Did didn't haunt him. His past didn't haunt him. Biden's past won't haunt him. Yeah. I think it's something to remember. Yeah. You know, that, that's a tragedy, really, for them, and you know, for everything involved with it. You know, something you need to remember. Americans tend to forget very quickly. Uh, if the COVID situation gets resolved for the next five or six months, and we go back to normal, hopefully. Uh, if the economy approves, inflation doesn't go wild. I think they all, by the next election, which is a, a year, of, not even a year and a half, they all pretty much forget about it. Mm -hmm. uh, however, the problem is, is those, those left behind. Now, as I said, President Carter, uh, which you were not born when he was, he got was trapped in the Iran crisis where they had 400 and something hostages, American hostages, kept for couple of years there and that caused his defeat. If, if we don't get the people out and there's evidence this trap they and I think they are, I think that's going to hurt him. Uh, I also, uh, you know, I support any president that becomes president. I, I don't think he's very competent anymore. I, I, he's a 78-year-old man who mentally is clearly in decline. I don't know who, if he's, I don't believe he's making most of the decisions in all this. I think some other people are, but uh, he gets the economy straightened out. A, if he gets the inflation straightened out, uh, 
hope and he'll be fine, but if he doesn't, he's gonna, well, I don't think he's gonna run for president in three years anyway. But, uh, so I, but I, as I said, it's, uh, if you look long term, which I like to do, uh, America has certainly lost prestige. Uh, our allies, allies no longer trust us. And that can be very, very difficult. Uh, there's a lot of evil countries out there, China, Pakistan, Iran, Russia, who do not wish us well. And uh, they're going to, China is already moving into the vacuum. Uh, Russia will attempt to move into the vacuum. Iran, which has a large border with Afghanistan, will move into the vacuum. I'm sure the country of Taiwan is very, very worried right now because we've pledged to protect them against China. Well, I'm sure they're thinking they're not going to do it. And more than likely, we're not going to do it. It's, so it's it's just as I said it's uh, it's I don't I've I've over the years I've become a pessimist I was very optimistic but I think our country is in decline and I don't think we're coming back um, yeah. all great empires eventually close down and we're no different. I think it'd be remembered as a black eye on this administration as to how the extent of this war, uh, I, it can't it can't be but anything but a black eye in my my view. And you think that you uh, think the American people will remember that or? as a black eye? Yeah. Oh, yeah, be remembered for like you know upcoming elections and, and things. Like exactly, that. exactly. Yeah. If if not, it should, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a but difficult thing. Those a lot of a lot of people seem to turn turn a blind eye to it and a deaf ear uh, when it comes to poll times. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, which poses altogether another question in my mind uh, about the polls and the votes. Yeah. Are they counting or are they not counting? It, are, are things rigged now yeah. that it doesn't matter? Does your vote really matter anymore or not? Are, are things going people going to be put in the office who they want? Or, but who's they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, is it is it is it big money people? My money buy office positions. Uh, I, uh, I'm not so certain, certain that uh, the American voter votes uh, matter. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not certain about that no more. Yeah, I mean, this kind of highlights that that fact that you know that it, so, it's hard uh, to know. So back to whether this was a black eye for the next election. Mm-hmm. Is it really going to matter? It's a good question to ask. It's a good thing to, to think about, I think, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So what is a black eye? Yeah. There's, that's a good point. If there's, if there's big enough money, who still wants Biden in there? Biden will be back in there. Black eye or not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah? I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, I appreciate it. Um, 
it is it's definitely a tumultuous interesting time there's no doubt um yeah that's kind of but this i do know yeah i know who holds the world in his hands who's that and that is jesus christ god almighty and he knows what the outcome is going to be and it will be and he holds everything in his hands To an extent, I think ha- things happen for a reason, and they have to happen for God's plan to pan out the way things are panning out. And even even with the times the way they are, had to happen. He's in control. There's no doubt about it. That, that's where I get my peace about yeah. it from. Yeah. And it's good to know where you can get uh, that peace we're, from. We're, if, I, if I couldn't, I would be left with a, a wandering soul of what's going on here? You know, what's happening? And why is this happening? Why is this going on? And, but, uh, all in all, in the grand scope of things, I know why. It's because God meant it to be. For, for things to happen the way that things need to happen for the end time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's my belief. Everybody, no, I, everybody's opinionated to one. Yeah. And, That's uh, that's my piece. Couldn't say, couldn't say. You know, I think that we'll. I think I think we need more time to see, so yeah. we can get more of an accurate assessment, yeah. accurate three hundred and sixty assessment in the situation. Mm-hmm. But right now, it doesn't look good. But as always, after, over time, things come out differently. Yeah, yeah. History might remember things a little exactly. bit differently. Yeah. Think about all the children and moms and all the Afghanistans that are still over there that are being slaughtered because they help the American troops. All those people are being served up on a silver platter right now. And I hate to say it that way because they do have our intel and it's already been proven that they do have our intel. Especially with the Afghanistani uh, interpreter that we had. And his whole entire family was killed right outside Kabul, uh, the gate. So. Yeah. Do you think that do you think that the American people will kind of forget about the way we left and just remember that we oh, ended no. the war? Or do you think it'll be there's a black too spot? many of us? There's too many of us too angry. I'm a VFW member in Livonia, and I'm telling you right now, we're angry. We're making sure we're heard, and we're going from there. So I think yes and no. So to the democratic, like the left base, yes. To the right, like the right base people that I don't think either side cares about numbers or even actuality and so and then it kind of relates to COVID it's like and also to people not thinking which I don't even know if they have the capacity like this would involve some sort of like math understanding but we throw numbers out there all the time and it's like well 120,000 I mean that's a relative number what does that mean what does that mean as far as risk what is that like I mean how many like American citizens do we have in other countries it's like well we have 
you know, 50 million in India. It's like, well, it's 120,000 in, in Afghanistan. Like a, and again, all, all, all this is humble, but, or like I say it humbly to, and out of respect to the people who's been affected by it. Yeah. But same thing with COVID. I mean, all we hear is, you know, unprecedented. And I mean, we live in a time where people say the word literal to describe things that don't have like an analogical yeah. thing. Or you like, oh, I literally threw him under the bus. It's like, no, that's a saying. Like, that's the whole point. You didn't literally do it. Um, and so, yeah, is that effective? Yes. And it kind of circles back around because people don't think. It's like, well, 120,000. Okay, well, there were 120,000 and five people there. Yeah. Fucking excellent job. <laughs> it's like 99.999 whatever percent. Yeah. I don't need to hear unprecedented. I don't need to hear, yeah. you know, so, yes, unfortunately, it is effective. And... I mean, when it, my take at this point is, as far as American citizens, I think it has been successful. I mean, it, it seems like that I haven't heard any stories where other, I mean, and again, respectfully, it's like, yeah, I mean, 13 American soldiers, that's big. But I mean, I mean 13 people probably died in Gainesville today, mm-hmm. I, you know. And, and so respect from, from that, but if it's like, I haven't heard of a, a mass casualty and again it's kind of like we forget to just like Cuba and this I mean if anybody died it's fucking Taliban's fault yeah. I mean why do, why do on both sides why do we forget that like screw these people that are that are the ones doing the killings yeah. in the first place to put any whether incompetent or not but yeah. any person in that situation to make those choices if only that damn buzzsaw would have buzzed off sorry about that That's just how it goes sometimes. The responses on this question were insightful and incredibly interesting. There was such a wide range of opinions. Some believed that Americans' best-known trait is in being forgetful, detailed most succinctly when Pete said, I think if you looked up the definition of an American, it would be those with short memories. A possible reason for this forgetfulness was given as a valid point when Claire stated, that foreign policy isn't usually the most pressing matter, especially when we have COVID to contend with over here. On the flip side, some I spoke with believed this would never and should never be forgotten. As Gabrielle said, there's too many of us who are too angry. Some see this as a massive black mark on the administration, detailed further when Alfred claimed that this wasn't going away for Biden anytime soon, if ever. Whether or not this evacuation is remembered or not also lies partly on how it continues, as there are still currently some stranded in Afghanistan. The effects of this matter may bleed over into elections if there continues to be green card holders and other Afghans stuck over there with small hopes of being able to get out. Where the situation moves from here might impact midterm polling. Inversely, if things wrap up, There's no knowing what will be remembered and what will be forgotten. As Bobby put it, a lot of people turn a blind eye and a deaf ear when it comes to polling time. Notably, Corey put forward the idea that the way this is remembered and who does the remembering might end up being far more partisan than we think, with Republicans condemning and never forgetting the mess and Democrats praising the evacuation numbers and recalling this as a historical success. Our allies are concerned, and our enemies grow stronger. 
The world isn't the same 20 years later as we withdraw and end a war that's been waged for two decades. Spurred into action after the horrific events of 9-11, we finally conclude an engagement that has resulted in America's longest war. Some serving as soldiers in this fight were born after the events that started it. It's been a long time coming, and while the ending has been incredibly tumultuous, scary, and called into question many of those in authority, our conflict in the Middle East has finally been drawn to an official end. What lies on the horizon is up to us. How we remember, what we forget, our voting power. It's our decision on how to create a better future. One that truly leaves no one behind. One that's grounded in liberty and justice for all. One that's centered on freedom, not fear. Love your neighbor. Serve your fellow man. Want the best for people because that's our only way forward. I hope you enjoy listening to the perspectives of these people. The most glaring thing I noticed in my conversations was that people aren't so binary. They aren't boxed up in these camps of red and blue, black and white, in or out. They're so much more nuanced than that. Their beliefs and values don't follow the exact lines we see our politicians and media draw. They're diverse. They care. And they have voices that deserve to be heard. Truly heard. I loved asking them questions, especially as I've re been wrestling with some of these questions myself. It was inspiring and motivating to see the gears turning as they worked through what they thought and relayed those beliefs to me unabashedly. A huge, huge thank you to Alfred, Claire and Chelsea, Pete, Cody and Ellie, Mike, Bobby, Rob, Gabrielle, and Corey for taking time out of their day to sit and chat with me for a moment. They were conversations I won't soon forget. It truly, truly was a pleasure. Well, that's going to do it. If you have a favorite interview point or thoughts about the war's ending, you can share that with me either in the comments on Substack or over on Twitter. My handle on Twitter is at C-Ashleman, that's at C-A-S-H-L-I-M-A-N. Asking questions and truly listening to the responses can really add value to life, because we're all just trying to figure this thing out. I'd love to know what your takeaways were, and what you enjoyed or didn't about these discussions. Remember, the best way to support the show is by heading over to bedletter.substack.com and subscribing. Also, if you enjoyed the episode, please share it with someone you know. One share really does go a long way. The links to everything, including the show notes, can be found in the description of this episode. I hope you have an awesome week. I'm Christian, this is Bed Letter, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>